Good evening and welcome to this weekend edition of the Double Double. I am your host, Noah Dakin, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Connor Schertzman. Connor, how are you doing tonight? Good. School's, most, school's almost over. A month to go. Can't wait. Yeah, pretty close to summertime. Yeah, of course. And Evan, how are you doing tonight? Our special guests. Doing, doing good. good. Excited, Excited for, uh, you, know, you know, summer, summer and uh, baseball, baseball season rolling around. around. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun watching baseball this season. So starting off with that topic... We have got our picks for each division and possibly the World Series winners. Uh, so I'm just going to sh shoot that question out first real quick. Uh, out of the entire MLB, uh, going over to you first, Evan, who would you say is your number one pick to win the World Series? As of, as of right now, which is a little tough to say, but is there any team that stands out? I mean, I mean, right, right now, now, I hate, I hate to, to say it, it being a San Diego guy, guy but, but the Los Angeles Dodgers look primed to repeat. They, they yeah, the Dodgers are absolutely a fantastic team. I mean, they're always adding just incredible star power. I mean, it feels like every offseason they get some fantastic player. I mean, Trevor Bauer going to them is just really unfortunate because I love to the guy. Uh, so seeing him go to a team like the Dodgers is a little tough. But, yeah, absolutely fantastic pick, honestly. They, they definitely have probably the best chance to just pull off the repeat. So going over to you, Connor, um, who do you say is your team or your pick for the possible World Series win so far this year? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Yankees. I mean, they have a pretty good pitching rotation. I'd say it's one of the top five in the MLB. And then, you know, they just have, like, a trio that can hit home runs on any given night. They have Aaron Judd, Stan, and LeMahieu. I think they, you know, they're a very powerful offensive unit, and they also have the pitching to back it up. So, you know, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah, and to be honest, Connor, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Um, I am a little biased towards the Yankees, uh, but, I mean, other than that, if I wasn't a fan, I'd still say they're probably a decent pick to at least make it to the World Series. I mean, they've got Garrett Cole coming out of that pitching staff now. They just added Corey Kluber, who's a little old, but, I mean, he's going to be able to make a difference in there as well. And I think it's just going to be it's going to be a good toss-up for the Yankees overall. So since we kind of figured out our picks for maybe making it all the way, uh, we're just going to start looking at a couple of these leagues here and maybe, maybe discussing a little bit more in-depth on our teams that we might have picked and who we might think end up winning that division. So I guess we'll start off with the AL East and going over to you first, Connor. Out of that division, who is your winner for that at the end of the year? Yeah, so, you know, I had the Yankees, you know, taking it all. So I'm going to stick with the Yankees here. Like I said, very good pitching. But, you know, this isn't to discount the rest of the teams in the division, like the Blue Jays of the race. They're also very good teams. But I just think the Yankees have such a powerful offensive unit and pitching that they just can't be beat within their division. And, of course, the Yankees, I mean, as long as they can stay healthy, I feel that they're definitely going to have uh, a decent chance to make a pretty good run so far in the playoffs. Uh, of course, you know, Aaron Judge can be a little spotty here and there. He's an absolute power hitter when he's hitting, but can kind of fall into those injury slumps and even those, those baseball slumps in general. Uh, you've got the same kind of situation with Stanton as well. Does kind of get tough for him a little bit, staying healthy. But other than that, I mean, they've got backup guys like DJ LeMahieu. I mean, I've loved the guy. I thought he's already he's always been fantastic, always got a fantastic average. I mean, he's just a great hitter and a great fielder as well. So, yeah, they've got a fantastic team on both ends. But going over to you, Evan, uh, who is your pick in that division for the winning the whole thing? It's, it's going to be tough, tough, but I think, I think if, if any team, team in the AL East is going to compete with the Yankees this year, it's going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. I simply, I simply think, think the Rays just lost too, too much star power in free agency this past year. And going forward, I think the Blue Jays, they have a young nucleus, and if that can really get rolling together as a group down the stretch of 162-game season this year, um, 
they, they could, could potentially give the Yankees some problems in the East. Yeah, I absolutely love that pick. Like you said, the Blue Jays are kind of coming to their own team now. They've got a young, a bunch of those young players that they can kind of work on and develop throughout this next year or two, and maybe we might see something fantastic come out of one or two of them. And I mean, that would be really awesome to see from the Blue Jays. They've they've kind of been in a slump a little recently over the past couple of years, so kind of seeing them kind of rise to that occasion and maybe be one of the division leaders so far would be fantastic. And so my, for my pick, I would have gone with the Yankees. I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, that they are probably the biggest powerhouse. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Rays. I feel like the Rays definitely did lose a lot of fantastic players. I mean, I believe Blake Snell was sent off, uh, just sent him out, unfortunately. Yeah, of course, there's Evan Flash and the Padres. I mean, we'll talk about those guys later, but the Padres getting Snell and Darvish, I mean, fantastic stuff. But yeah, I mean, Rays definitely lost a lot of star power in that pitching. Um, but I feel like they have a decent team to kind of maybe pull something together this season. Uh, they've still got a decently a decently fair pitching staff. I mean, Chris Archer is always going to be a good guy that's thrown out there. Castillo is also quite good. You know, I mean, they've got a couple of these pitchers that are able to go out there and win pretty solid games. So I think, I feel like the Rays still have a decent chance at that one. Definitely going to be tough like both of you guys said against these other powerhouse teams that you've mentioned but I think if the Rays are kind of able to get into their groove again they'll really be able to maybe pull something out of this season that nobody will be will end up expecting so now going over to the AL Central we'll start off with you first Evan this time who is your pick to win that division the White, the White Sox, Sox because they, they added Tony La Russa manager one, one of the greatest, greatest managers of all time that's, that's a guy, guy that if he, he comes, comes in to, to take, take care of your ball club, club you're, You're not, not missing, missing the playoffs, playoffs in an extremely, in a, I believe, a weak AL Central this year, weaker than we would normally see. I think, I think it's prime, prime for them to run away with it. Yeah, absolutely. The White Sox looking pretty good these past couple of seasons. Uh, so I think definitely, uh, to, just to talk about it a little bit, this last season was definitely a slump for the entire Major League of Baseball. I mean, these guys were going up against, you know, it was it was just tough. You know, they couldn't get into their groove. Uh, definitely wasn't enough games to kind of get going and get that momentum built up for the rest of the season. So I was really happy when they were able to announce that 162 full season or game full season. I mean, that's fantastic for just the players in general. And MLB watchers, I mean, it's it's going to be great being able to watch all those games. But, yeah, the White Sox definitely, I think, if they're going to be able to get into a groove and kind of get their offensive offense going, I think they'll be absolutely fantastic. But then going over to you, Connor, who do you think is going to be your winner, winning choice for this division? You know, I think this is going to be one of the tighter divisions. I mean, I think everybody does have a chance of getting that number one spot minus the Indians. But, you know, I am going to have to agree with Evan and say that the White Sox are probably going to take it all. But I think, you know, the Indians, despite losing, you know, Francisco Lindor, I think they do still have a chance. You know, they have a very um, young, competent team, so they can possibly do something. But, you know, like Evan said, the White Sox, they just have a lot of new offseason additions that are going to that's going to help their bullpen and pitching rotation. And, you know, pitching is a very important thing in the MLB, obviously. But it if you acquire a lot of talent this season of, it seems that they do much better in the following season. So, you know, it might take a full season to, you know, affect how their team turns out but you know pitching always helps so you can't go wrong with it right, absolutely I mean that White Sox team is just going to be absolutely devastating uh they're going to be just a very well well built all-around team I think they're definitely not going to have any places lacking uh while they're playing you're never going to see whether that be the defense or the offensive side or pitching I don't think you're ever going to see any of those go into a slump I think they're always going to be consistent and I think that's going to probably be the big reason they're going to end up 
making it as far as they will. So I am going to have to agree with you guys as well, unfortunately, uh, which is pretty interesting that the, who would have thought a couple of years ago, even that the White Sox would be uh, an early unanimous pick or for winning their division. But yeah, I mean, just absolutely beautifully balanced team. Uh, the season before last, I feel, I feel like they were really able to get into a groove and they did pretty decent. So if they, once they get over this last slump of this last season and they start getting into that groove again, I think they're just going to be fantastic and really show off. So now going over to the AL West, uh, a pretty decent division, I'd say, but what are you going over to you first, Evan, this time, who would you say is your division that's, that's going to win this I think the Astros, Astros are going to kind of bounce, bounce back, back as a team. team. You know, they, they had, had a down, down year last year after the scandals and stuff were coming out during, during the COVID crisis as they were trying to figure out a 60-game season. And they ended up performing under 500. I think Houston's a well-enough built organization to where they can bounce back and end up on top at the end of the full 162-game season again. I think the importance of that, you couldn't understate it. Understate it. Because baseball is such a streaky game, and being only able to play a third of a season really hurt a lot of players across the league. And I think the Astros are one of those teams affected by the short season last year. And going forward, I expect them to win the division this year. Yeah, and of course the Astros, since those couple those World Series that they won, I mean, they've been just an absolutely consistent team. Even losing a lot of star power, star, star power, I mean, losing George Springer was a big one. He was a big part of that offense and especially the outfielding. So seeing him go is a little tough, but I mean, I feel like with the guys that they've still got, they can definitely make it happen. I mean, Bregman's always going to be fantastic. You've always got Jose Altuve. No matter how hard he gets booed at every game ever, he's still going to be playing baseball out of his mind because he's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, that Astros team is going to be pretty devastating again. Um, I mean, they're always pretty good. They, they always have been for the past couple of years after the World Series. So, I mean, yeah, that's a great pick going into that. So going over to you, Connor, how about, how about yours? What do you think? You know, one year I'd like to say the Angels and, you know, it might try a championship, but that's not this year. And I don't think it's going to be any year soon. I mean, I think they are getting slightly better, but they simply just don't have enough. Like in their pitching rotation, they need better pitchers. They just need better players around Trout to help him. And, you know, it's such a team game where you need those extra guys. So, you know, I'd like to say the Angels, but realistically, I'm going to go with Evan and say the Astros. I mean, they have a very similar team to they've had in the past couple of years. So I think, you know, that chemistry and along with their great talent, like you said, Altuve, they got great, you know, guys on their team and you got Granky. I mean, yes, he is getting up there in age, but he's still one of the premier pitchers in this league. So I'm going to go with the Astros, but I think it's going to be close between them and maybe the Oakland A's because, you know, they always seem to scratch and claw their way to the top or first or second, despite not having, you know, the same talent as, say, the Astros. But I think, you know, the Oakland A's will give them a run for their money. I know. I really like that Oakland A's pick. I feel like for the past couple of seasons, especially, they've kind of been underdogs and they have showed that they can perform to that top level. Uh, I think it just comes down to consistency sometimes with that team and kind of falling out of their out of their touch and not being able to perform and, and even like lower level games against uh, maybe a little worse teams. But yeah, I think I really like that pick as well. And honestly, it was a little unfortunate hearing you disrespect my guy Trout. But I mean, honest, my pick is going to have to be those Angels. So I know it's tough. I know they definitely have a really tough looking bullpen pitching wise. Uh, but hopefully, I mean, if they can get some of those guys going, maybe if they if they one of those guys finds his way in the league and kind of starts winning games for them, or maybe they see one or two extra guys uh, kind of pop up on that pitching staff that kind of show out. I think they're really going to be able to make a decent run for it. I mean, they've got decent infielders. I mean, Albert Pujols, of 
course, is is pushing it a little bit. He's quite up there. <laughs> but you got guys like Anthony Rendon in the infield. I mean, Fletcher is obviously fantastic. And then you've got guys in the outfield, like, of course, Mike Trout and Fowler, who's who's been pretty decent. I mean, him and Upton are kind of getting up there in age as well. But I think they'll be able to do something maybe uh, to support Mike Trout in this push for the playoffs. But if they do kind of find their way, I think they could make a decent run for it. So going over to the NL. Now, this is another, this is a pretty interesting one over here. So we've got the NL East to start off. Uh, going over to you first, Connor, who would you say your winner is for that division? Ooh. It's going to be close. It's going to be a very close one between the Mets and the Braves. But right now, I'm going to go with the Braves. And simply on one fact, they have better pitching. And in baseball, pitching to me is everything. Like, yes, you can have a great offense. But if you can't stop anybody, what's the point? I mean, you're not going to outscore other teams. So you have to have that great pitching staff. And they also have, you know, a pretty good offensive side, like, of the ball. So, you know, I would – I'm going to go with the Braves. But the Mets will be, like, very close. And I think it will come down to the last, like, 10 games of the season. Right, absolutely. I mean, the Braves have that fantastic pitching stuff, like you were saying, and they've definitely got a lot of other star power in other places. And I mean, if, if they get it going, they're definitely going to make a good run for that top spot. But going over to you, Evan, what do you think? Who's your pick in this one? I really, I really think, think that, that with the, the moves that the New York, York Mets made this year, that they're, they're going to give the Braves, Braves a run for their, their money. money. I, mean, I mean, they, they still, still have Jacob DeGrom on the hill. hill. I, I mean, mean they, they have star power, power. They're, they're in New York, they're, they're in, in a tough division, but they've, they've done, done the work to get there, and right now they're projected just behind Atlanta. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, surprised if down the stretch this team starts, starts making a run and, and potentially overtakes Atlanta later, later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Another fantastic pick. And with mine, I'm going to have to go with my boys, the Washington Nationals. I mean, they're not my boys, but I just really like the way this team looks. I think their pitching staff is absolutely fantastic. Of course, you're always going to have Max Scherzer just be an absolutely fantastic pitcher. And I feel like if they can get a few other guys on that roster, like Corbin or maybe even Strasburg to get going again, maybe producing pretty well, I think they're going to have a really powerful pitching staff there. And, I mean, they've got a lot of good players throughout their team as well. They've still got Zimmerman. They've got guys like Schwarbrow in the outfield. Juan Soto, who is probably going to be a – probably a front runner for the whole half of the league. I mean, he's an absolutely fantastic player for his age, especially. So I think if, if Juan Soto can get going and if it can get that pitching staff organized and get them going pretty strong, I think they're going to be able to make a decent job for that top spot. But now going down to the NL central, uh, this is kind of an interesting one as well. Going over to the first seven, who's your pick in this one? I think, I think the, the Cardinals, Cardinals are going to get, get it. it. They're, They're the, the best built team in that, that division. And I think, I think the Brewers, Brewers could give them a run. run. Christian Yelich is always a threat and can be just, just an absolute, absolute difference maker for a ball club when it comes, comes down to head-to-head -head -head matchups. And, but in the long run, I think the Cardinals will be able to pull out this season with uh, the, the division crown. Yeah, the Cardinals are obviously a super strong pick. They're always going to be hard-hitting. They're always going to be those guys that kind of perform on the offensive side and who have great defense. I mean, definitely not just the offensive powers there. So that's a fantastic pick. They, they probably are going to make a decent one, and they're probably going to be – they were probably my second pick, and my first pick would honestly go to the Brewers. I mean, with Yelich coming back, he definitely had a slump year, um, injuries and all, but 
it's kind of, you know, if he comes back and is able to kind of form that, uh, that defense and that, that hitting side as well, uh, I think he'll, he's kind of one of those leaders, I feel like, that can empower a baseball team to just play better. So I feel like when, with Christian Yelich there, if he gets going and gets involved with the rest of the team, um, I think they can make a decent run, and I think they'll make a jab at that top spot. Going over to you, Connor, who is your pick for this one? You know, the Cardinals got second in their division last year, and, you know, they added Nolan Arenado as their third baseman, and I, he's a really nice addition to their team. I mean, I think he has, he has like seven golden gloves and two or three silver sluggers, so he's obviously a really good player, and I think that's just going to put him over the edge, that little extra piece. He's obviously great on de defense, so I think that's going to make all the matter. Uh, you know, I could say the Pirates, but let's be honest, they're probably going to be the worst team in the MLB like they always are. Uh, so, yeah, that's my pick for the worst team is the Pirates, that's for sure. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the Pirates are a little dodgy every now and then, but hopefully they'll catch a break one of these days. <laughs> but finally, going over to our NL West, uh, honestly, I guess we'll just start with you right quick here, Evan. Uh, who do you think is going to snag this one? Big surprise here. <laughs> um, like, like I, I said, said earlier, earlier in the show, I, I think, think the Dodgers, Dodgers are going to run away with it. it. But, but as, as a Padres, Padres fan, fan, i got to kind, kind of protect, protect my, team my team here a little, little bit. bit. I mean, we have, we have a, a solid, solid rotation coming in with Darvish and Snell. Musgrove's pitching a great game right now in his first start. And I couldn't be more excited for the Padres season, to be honest. But I honestly feel like this is the year that we could give Dodgers a run for their money. They're coming off a Mickey Mouse World Series ring. And it's Padres time. We have the team to do it. It's time to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to stick with your team, Evan. I mean, I'm not even a San Diego Padres fan, and I really do think they could make it in over the Dodgers. I mean, of course, we, we talk about it all the time. The Dodgers are always just getting these fantastic players from every which team that come in and improve them drastically. Of course, they've got the Benjis. They've got all the money for it. But this, this Padres team is going to be deadly. I mean, that pitching staff is absolutely fantastic now. And I mean, they've always had good hitting. And I think if, if there is a year, it's definitely going to be this one for the Padres. So I definitely have to go with them for my pick. Not, not only because I don't want to see the Dodgers win that, but I just really think the Padres have a decent shot at it. So going over to you, Connor, who's your pick for this final division here in the, in the NL? You know, I hate saying this because I really do not like the Dodgers being a D-backs fan, but I think the Dodgers, I mean, they simply just pay for their team. And, you know, I think you guys, like you guys mentioning the Padres and all their offseason acquisitions of, you know, Darvish and Snell, both great pitchers. I just don't think it's going to be enough. It's going to be very close, but I don't think it's going to be quite enough to top the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers, you know, they're always getting someone new, whether it be Mookie Betts, you know, they're always getting someone new. And you can't even, you can't even think that this is going to be their final roster. They might acquire somebody middle of the season that, improves their team even more never count them out for getting one of the top guys in the league so you know I'm gonna go with the Dodgers yeah the Dodgers just have an absolutely fantastic core you know they just whenever they need to uh, I mean if there is a hole in the ship and they start sinking a little bit they, they have enough money to, to plug that hole right up and find someone who can improve the team and make them better and kind of fill in that spot that they might have been missing so talking about the teams that we picked for the division wins, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these teams. doesn't have to be the one you picked to win the division, but some of these teams that made some pretty strong acquisitions over this last break period. So going over to you first, Connor, uh, who is a team maybe, we'll start with the AL. Who's a team in the AL that you think made a really strong pickup over this offseason and, and going into this next season? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, the Dodgers... 
their acquisition, I mean, you got to think that's like, he's a, I think that's their third or fourth Cy Young pitcher, award winner pitcher on their team. That's, that's a big acquisition. I mean, just whenever you can add to your pitching rotation, that's a huge thing. And, you know, there's of course other moves like Blake Snell that, you know, got added to the Padres. That's a huge thing, but you know, that the addition to the Dodgers, I think is just really going to put them over the edge. Yeah, the Dodgers are always going to have one of those teams where it just feels like or one of those off seasons where it just feels like, man, they're just getting probably one of the top three players every time in that, in that time zone. You know, I mean, it's just tough to watch because as a, as a team, as a fan of another team, you're always thinking, Oh, maybe they'll come to my team or you have these other teams that they might end up getting traded to. But for some reason, it always feels like the Dodgers are maybe a 50, 50 shot for that, that big name player to go to, but going over to you, Evan, uh, in the AL, who's the team that you think made a, a pretty strong acquisition going into this new season? I think, I think the, the Mets, Mets getting, getting Lindor was an uh, absolute blockbuster of the offseason. And they did it. I was, I was looking, looking at their moves just now, and they did a lot of work just hatching up the bullpen. And having a deeper bullpen is always important down the stretch in the MLB season. You're not going to be able to get five innings out of your starter every single time. So I think with the additions that they've made to the bullpen and Lindor top it off is just incredible. Yeah, I think they, they added, added more than seven, seven wins and there were wins, um, wins, wins above, above uh, replacement. Right. And I mean, yeah, it's just fantastic pickups for them. You know, I mean, Francisco Lindor obviously went over there for quite the pretty penny. Uh, I mean, it was a 10 year contract, but I think he got upwards of 320 million almost, I believe, which is just absolutely ridiculous. That almost sounds like a pitching contractor. I mean, honestly, it sounds pretty close to Patrick Mahomes contract for the, for the chiefs. So it's, it's really interesting seeing players get those contracts in the, in the major league baseball. I mean, this is one of those, one of those things where there is a lot of money to be tossed around so teams can end up tossing out this cash to these guys and kind of be comfortable with it because it's just what they do but yeah you know I think one of the big teams that made decent acquisitions this offseason was going to have to be the Tampa Bay Rays uh, they definitely picked up a lot of decent picks um, kind of on the power side of the ball and kind of making acquisitions that will improve their team as a whole so I think the Rays are going to have to be my pick for this uh, they just, they, I believe, was it the Rays that ended up signing Springer, I believe, correct? For that big deal, <laughs> something like that. So if, if they did, I think that was probably one of the biggest ones, uh, tossing out, tossing out a six year, $150 million deal for him, I believe. So, and I mean, they kind of brought, wasn't the Rays? Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. Blue Jays. Yes. Sorry. My bad. Mixing up the teams. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how the Blue Jays kind of evolve with that pick. Uh, and just really quickly going over to the NL, uh, starting off with you at first, Evan, who were, which was the team that you thought made the biggest kind of pickup and kind of acquisition for this next season? Trevor Bauer was, was huge, but adding Blake Snell and Darvish trumps, trumps that. that. That's, that's two starters, that's, that's two days throughout the week that you have all-star talent, talent on the mound. I think, I think the Padres definitely did what they needed to do during, during the offseason, getting Musgrove back into town, Grossman High School graduate, graduate represent, and um, getting, getting Fernando Tatis to that. I, th I, think I think it was a 14-year deal. Was, was huge, and, and now, now that, that we have our star locked in for 14 years, years um, it's, it's just go time. time. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I was going to have to go with the Padres as well. It, it's almost tough to go with another team when talking about acquisitions. I mean, bringing in Darvish and Snell. I mean, Trevor Bauer is a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but both of those guys are nearly equal to his skill, if not better, I'd say. So bringing in two guys over one even is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's going to make a huge difference. You're going to have two guys instead of one that are going to be able to start off games and kind of get that going for the Padres. I, and I think they're going to be able to get into a really decent rotation with those two, as well with some of those other pitchers surrounding them. They're going to be able to slot that in and make a really good system on that pitching side. But going over to you, Connor, what was the team that you thought made the biggest acquisition in this league? Yeah, I mean, in the NL, you know, I thought you said, uh, yeah, NL for the last one, so that's my bad. But for the NL on this time, I'm going to say the Cardinals' acquisition of Nolan Arenado. I really like him. I mean, I've been watching him with the Rockies for a pretty long time. You know, he's just an outstanding defender, seven-time gold glover, five-time all-star, four-time silver slugger. He's just like – he's just a complete player. I mean, he does it on both ends. So I think that's going to be huge. And, you know, they were close last year to, you know, making a run. But I think this is just going to push them over the edge. And, you know, going back to the um, American League, I think the Yankees re-signing DJ LeMahieu, I think that's going to be a huge thing for their team. I mean, you know, they're going to have three sluggers now that can just put up, you know, points on any given night. So I think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, and I always feel a little unfortunate for my boy, DJ LeMahieu. I feel like he puts up some absolutely all-star numbers sometimes and kind of kind of gets downplayed on that team. I mean, with guys like Judge and Stanton, who obviously are going to outshine him, uh, even if it doesn't outplay him, they're always going to outshine him. They've got the names. Uh, they've got the shown talent that they've had. Uh, but yeah, going over to that Cardinals pick, Arenado, I mean, it's been tough watching him on that Rockies team over the past couple of years. You've always wanted them to do a little better. It's almost like the Mike Trout situation. You always want them to make the playoffs and, and do good for him almost. But seeing him go to a team that maybe puts him in contention is really awesome. And I think that, honestly, that was probably one of the biggest ones and probably one of my favorites because, I mean, fantastic acquisition for them. So now switching it up a little bit, we're going to another sport real quick for these last five minutes uh, of our section. Uh, it's another sport where you use a big stick to hit a ball, uh, but it's, it's a little different here. We're talking about golf. So overall, there are quite a, quite a couple of fantastic golf players that we don't really get to talk about because let's be honest, for some reason, people don't like talking about golf as much. But we've got our Masters tournament coming up here, and this is probably one of the biggest events in sports uh, overall. So going over to you, Evan, who is, who do you, where do you rank your first three players that are going to finish in that? Who do you got maybe, maybe finishing out in the top three or top five in that? I picked, I picked a three, three favorites, favorites to win. win. And, and I, I have, have John Rahm, who's currently at plus 1,400. Dustin Johnson, the favorite, at plus 900. And Colin Morikawa at plus 2,200. I think those three guys could all come in and, win this, this time around, around the Masters. Masters. Dustin, Dustin Johnson, Johnson, obviously, won in November. It's only been five months since the last time we played the Masters. John, John Rahm finished fourth in 2018, finished seventh this past November. This, this would be his first Masters victory, but he currently leads the PGA top 10 finishes this season. If, if he continues high and get rolling during the Masters, I think he could make a real difference in the field. Oh, yeah, 
I absolutely love that pick. And honestly, John Rahm has been performing absolutely fantastic recently, currently ranked three in the world. I mean, I would honestly have to put him at my number one pick for this. Uh, I mean, he's been he's been performing pretty fantastically in his last couple of his last couple of plays that he's gone to. It's been a while since he won a, a, a top spot and or getting first or anything, but he has tied for top 10 finishes in this past. I think it's about eight or nine tournaments that he's played in. So he's been playing absolutely fantastic. And then for my second pick, honestly, I feel like he's kind of an underdog that comes out from the comes under out from the ground sometimes in these tournaments. And I'm going to have to go with Osterhusen. I know it's a little tough to say, but I really like him coming out of kind of a, 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 an interesting country as well. I mean, he's only ranked around 28th or 29th right now. So it's a little tough to think he's going to maybe win it. But I think he kind of comes out of the woodwork a little bit when it comes to these tournaments and kind of shows up. I mean, we've seen him do it before in a couple of huge tournaments. So I think he, he's got a decent chance to do it again. And then, of course, I'd love to say Roy McClory, but or Roy McElroy. <laughs> but it's just tough seeing how he's been performing recently. He's definitely out of his groove, definitely hasn't been performing as well as he could. Uh, I loved the guy a couple of years ago. I mean, it just felt like he was winning everything at a certain point. But going into my second pick, I'm going to have to go with Dustin Johnson. Uh, it's kind of tough to not mention him in a discussion like this. I mean, the guy's ranked number one in the world. Um, he's been, he won, his last one that he won was the Saudi International. And before that, I mean, it was the Masters Tournament. So, I mean, he's shown that he can, <laughs> he's shown that he knows a thing or two about winning these big tournaments. But then going into my third pick for it, I really like the odds of Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, Connor's a big fan of that one. Uh, I love the guy. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. Uh, always performs well. <laughs> he's got an absolute clubber on him. I mean, that guy is an absolute tank. So watching him hit that golf ball is pretty fun sometimes. And I think he's, he's got the skills to kind of complement that. So I think he's got a great chance at maybe making, I'd say third at least. Uh, obviously, maybe Connor will switch switch it up a bit there for my boy Bryson. But yeah, I think those guys are probably going to end up being first through third in that, in that tournament. So going over to you, Connor, who are your first three guys that you're going to see in this tournament? Man, I had a Shamba going one. He just, he's an incredible player to watch. He drives the ball so far and he he's actually a really good putter despite, you know, most people thinking of his strength. Uh, in addition to that, he just finished first place at the Arnold Palmer, I think three weeks ago. So, you know, that's a big tournament. Okay, so going to my second pick, you know, Jordan Spieth, you gotta love the guy. He's very humble, but he hasn't been doing good. He hasn't won a tournament since 2017. I mean, early in his career, 2013 to 2016, people thought he was going to be the next Phil Mickelson or the even a Tiger Woods type player, but he just hasn't seemed to won. But this year, my hopes are up because he has been playing very well. He's been, you know, a lot of top five placements. So I think he can do, you know, a lot of good there. And then my third pick, I'm going to go with Lee Westwood. You know, he's placed, you know, second place in two back-to-back -back tournaments this month. So I think, you know, that's a key thing to look at. And I like his strategy. You know, most people have caddies who are, you know, like, professional golfers themselves or who know a lot about golf no he chooses his like a fiance who doesn't know anything about golf but it just keeps him calm through the tournament so I just think that's you know like a very interesting thing and you know the key to golf is to stay calm so maybe in a big tournament like this his wife can calm him down and he can you know win it all yeah, I love how you mentioned that because it's super funny seeing him out there with his fiance or his girlfriend. You know, I mean, she she she's just fun for him. You know, I mean, he gets to talk to her instead of an old guy. So I mean, kind of works out. Kind of brings your spirits up a little bit. I mean, at that point, he's kind of just having a blast. I mean, gets to talk to his girlfriend on the pitch. Gets to have a fun day golfing. I mean, he's just having fun at this point. But he is a fantastic golf player. So I mean, could have a chance to win it. You're right. 
So that has been our first half of the weekend edition of the Double Double. Uh, I'd like to thank Evan for being on. Thank you so much for talking a little bit about baseball and golf with us. And we will be joining us in our second half. Thanks. Hey, guys. I'm your host, Connor Schertzma. This is the second part of the weekly podcast edition of the Double Double. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Noah. Noah, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Ready to get into the second half of the podcast. Good, man. Good. And we are also joined by a very special guest, Wes. Wes, how are you doing today? All right. We, we are going to go straight into it. All right. So we're going to talk about some NBA first. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the tra trade deadline just ended. You know, a lot of teams making some big moves. But, you know, the trade deadline marks the second half of the season. So we're approaching towards the end. We got around 22 games left. You know, we have this shortened season. We're at 72 games, you know, for the complete season. So, Noah, we're going to go over to you first. We're going to, like, update our award races. Who do you have winning MVP currently? Yeah, you know, MVP is always a bit of a toss-up. Uh, I've seen a lot of big names in there. Uh, for the first time ever, honestly, as well, I'd have to say I don't see LeBron finishing in even probably the top three of that award race. Uh, obviously still performing fantastic for the Lakers. Uh, still averaging, I think, it is, I think it's 26, 8, and 8, which is obviously just LeBron's stats at this point. He's been doing that for years now. We see it all the time, nothing special. But I'm really glad that Embiid was actually able to come back tonight because, honestly, I'd have to say he's probably my front runner. I mean, he just has some absolutely booming performances sometimes. Uh, often averages 30 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, 30-point double-doubles, I mean, that's pretty crazy to be averaging. And, I mean, he's a big part of that Phillies team. Uh, he definitely holds them together on that defensive side as well. I know a lot of people kind of get a little upset with him with how he plays defense sometimes. But he can show to be quite the quite the defensive center, uh, while he also performs fantastic on that offensive side. So I'd have to go with Embiid as my leader so far for this MVP race. Yeah, I think you know that's a very good pick. I, I'm interested on seeing you know it's two centers right now. They're the leaders. You got Jokic and you got Embiid, both very good players, both doing it all. I mean, you know they both have Embiid's a little bit more of a rebounder. Jokic typically more of a playmaking shooter, but, you know, both up there. So my pick actually was Nikolai Jokic. I mean, he, you know, Denver's, I think, placed fourth or fifth right now, and they're up there. But I think it was interesting to find out that he's shooting 42% from the three-point line. Now, granted, he's only shooting three or four threes a game. You know, you got to take that into account. But that's, you know, that's insane shooting for a big man. That's crazy. And, you know, you also got to account for he's averaging 11 rebounds a game with nearly 27 points and eight assists. That's just that's video game like numbers. So I just you know, you can't ignore those numbers when we haven't really seen it from a center like that before. Uh, going over to you, Wes, who's your favorite for MVP? Oh, man, um, I think I have to go with right now leading. Um. Besides what happened in Houston, like people feel like where well, he quit on him, I have to go with James Harden right now, but what he's doing, um, mainly because although he did quit on Houston, I feel like what he's doing in Brooklyn, nobody expected. Everybody expected them to not share the ball or everybody was going to be selfish with the three best ISO players in the league right now that it wouldn't work. But what he's doing with Brooklyn and what he's making work and being a great facilitator, taking on the point guard role, I feel like um, – James Harden is leading right now, but I feel like if Joel Embiid, he came back tonight, I feel like he can, if he can come back and pick up where he left off, I feel like he can take it away just solely off them, feel, the um, committee feeling like James Harden quit on Houston. Yeah, and I think that would be, you know, the main knock against James Harden for this MVP conversation is that he left his main team and, you know, went to the Brooklyn Nets, obviously a powerhouse. But I think, you know, like you said, 
people aren't recognizing, you know, Harden for his amazing play and he's improving on his playmaking ability and his like team play. Cause you know, in Houston, he was just kind of doing step back threes. He was doing his own thing, but he's actually becoming a part of the system with the net. So that's great to see. And, you know, that's just, you know, a good thing for basketball to show it's not like as individualistic as many people think. All right. So going to the next award race, we're going to go with defensive player of the year. Noah, who do you have? Now, honestly, I'm going to have to go with a little bit of an underdog pick for this one. But I think if it comes down to pure defense and how much how much difference that they've made on that side of the ball, it's got to be Miles Turner. I mean, the guy is obviously a monster in the paint, averaging three and a half blocks this season. Who, who averages three and a half blocks on a season? I mean, some guys are lucky to get to three blocks like every, you know, every other, every like thousands of games, you know. So seeing him come in and do it pretty much every night, I mean, fantastic guy. He still performs decently on the offensive side of the ball with 12 and a half points. Uh, he's doing almost as best he's ever done in that section as well. And I mean, he's just absolutely fantastic. It doesn't have the steals maybe that kind of show why you would be the defensive player of the year, but how can you go wrong with three and a half blocks per game? I mean, absolutely monstrous from him. And I mean, to be honest, he makes a decent a difference on that defensive side in general. I mean, he's a great facilitator, makes sure everyone's, everyone's guarded. He kind of General floor generals it a little bit when he's when he's kind of organizing that defense. So I think Miles Turner's definitely got a decent shot at that one. Yeah, and I think you know he's for sure in the top three. I mean, he's doing incredible things right now with the Pacers. You no one really expected him to perform at that high of a level, and he's just blocking shots like you said. He's averaging three blocks a game, and there's only one other man doing that, and that's Rudy Gobert. And we all know Rudy Gobert. You know, he's known for his shot blocking. He could go down in NBA history as one of the best shot blockers. Uh, Going over to you, Wes. Who do you like for defensive player of the year? Right now, I'll go Miles Turner um, from the Indiana Pacers. Um, I feel like his uh, his core presence is just is his. Let's say his inside paint is great. Um, he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, shot blockers right now. But you also have to think the committee also goes off. Um, who's what the team is doing. I don't feel like that should matter, but they do base it off what the team is doing and who's winning. Um, so if it wasn't him, if you're going with a team that also wins, um, I have to go Giannis again. You can't really think of too many people who's also winning and also playing great defense. So if I just had to pick anybody, it would be Giannis. Yeah, and that's a great pick. I mean, he won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year last year. I, won, I think, if not the first player to do it, one of the only to do it. You know, that's just an incredible thing to accomplish. And I like how you mentioned about, like, if your team's not really in the competition for going to the playoffs, you're not really going to get noticed for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So I think that is something worth noting. And that's why I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert. I mean, you know, they're leading the Western Conference right now with the Utah Jazz. And he's just, he's an absolute monster. He's averaging over 13 rebounds a game, three blocks. And on March 22nd against the Chicago Bulls, he had nine blocks in a game. That is not something that happens very often. And that's all, that is a video game stat. I have never even watched a game where there's been nine blocks, much less in the pros. That's, that's crazy. I mean, you do got to account he's seven foot. So yes, he's going to get blocks, but nine, that's just an insane amount. All right. So going to the last and final award race, we're going to go to rookie of the year. Noah, who do you like for this Rookie of the Year? 
Yeah, it's just really tough because, I mean, if you asked me this question a couple of weeks ago when the mellow ball was going at it for the Hornets, I mean, the guy was going off. I mean, he was doing everything on the offensive side of the ball for them and even trying to evolve his defensive side of the ball. I mean, you could see it. He, he's definitely a guy who came into the league and has really been working on his game with that Hornets team. I mean, it might not have been the team he wanted to choose the most uh, as to who to play for, but he's making the most of it, and he's showing that he can uh, he can perform in this in this NBA. I mean, it's the National Basketball Association, and the guy I think the guy is just a little bit younger than me, so it always makes me feel old seeing guys like that do absolutely fantastic stuff in the NBA. I mean, he was leading the entire rookie class in every stat uh, until his injury, so. If, if it did come down to it and if they kind of did look into it a little more and maybe if he was able to come back and I mean, it's still an option uh, once they get his hand reevaluated, if it's not as bad as they thought it was, he is maybe possibly clear to come back in like a month or two, I think, but still um, I have to go with a mellow ball. Uh, Honestly, I'm kind of just going off of this, really hoping that he is able to come back because he was playing absolutely fantastic. And honestly, no other rookie was doing as well as him or kind of fitting into an NBA team as well as he was. So I'm still going to go with my boy LaMelo Ball, even though he got injured and might be out for the rest of the season. Uh, I still really hope that maybe he does come back and he is able to start performing to that level again. Or maybe they overlooked him missing the second half and maybe still winning it. I mean, that's really tough. But, yeah, I'm still going to go with my boy LaMelo on this one. Yeah, and, you know, I was going to go with LaMelo Ball, too, earlier in the season until he got hurt. Then I got, you know, a little skeptical because no rookie of the year has ever played less than 50 of the games and then still won the award. So, you know, I think that is going to be the biggest knock against him is that he didn't play the full season. So for that reason, you know, I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards. You know, he isn't having as impressive stats or, you know, even an impact as LaMelo Ball was having, but he's still averaging 16 points a game as a rookie. That's insane. And I personally like him because he's explosives and is, is a high flyer. I mean, he's a big point guard who, you know, he bodies people. He honestly does. I mean, he's just, he's a fun player to watch. Wes, who do you like for this rookie of the year? Of course, I have to agree with y'all um, with the LaMelo ball. But if I just had to pick somebody besides him, let's just say, knock on wood, he doesn't come back or he's not able to come back. I have to go with uh, Anthony Edwards from the Timberwolves. He's playing exceptionally well for them. He's being what they need. Um, everybody thought, you know, he would be a great fit, and he's exceeded his expectations for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, he was, you know, a high, a very high pick, but no one really expected him. I mean, he did go number one, but no one really expected him to, you know, start and hit the ground running like this. So I think, you know, it is very impressive, uh, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this really quick. No, kind of, you know, off topic, but what do you think of this Tyrese Halliburton with the Kings? No, honestly, I absolutely love him. And in my personal rankings, I do end up putting him above Anthony Edwards, to be completely honest. Uh, I feel like Anthony Edwards has been a huge change to that team, to the Timberwolves. I think he's definitely shown that he can fit in and kind of provide for them like they need him to. But Tyrese Halliburton has just been performing de very decently on the on the Kings. I mean, this guy might not be scoring all the points when he needs to, but he's a very well-balanced player. I feel like he's always getting steals 
whether that is whether it be steals or rebounds or making key assists or even scoring those kind of clutch points every now and then. I mean, he's a very well-rounded player for his first year. And I think he's showing that he has a lot of potential to develop into a, a pretty decent guy who might be end up, I mean, not to go too far into the future, but could end up being one of those maybe triple double guys that gets a lot of those. Uh, maybe a, a sli- maybe a kind of Russell Westbrook, maybe not quite on his explosiveness level, but maybe something like that in his near future. Cause I mean, he's, really showing up on the Kings and he's really making a decent difference for their team. Yeah, and I could definitely see that. And I think another thing worth noting is he's, shoot, he's shooting 43% from the three as a rookie. We don't see that those numbers from rookies. Typically, you know, they have a lower three-point percentage because they have to get used to like the further distance of the three-point line. But no, he's hitting it at a, at a high clip. And, you know, going into the next conversation, we're going to talk about, you know, teams to be who we think is going to take the championship. Wes, going over to you, who do you think is going to take it all? All right, Noah, who do you think is going to take it all? <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, I think as long as the Lakers are able to get healthy again, uh, I think they're definitely going to be able to win the championship over the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, LeBron James has showed us quite a few times what he can do to those super teams, just on his own even. I mean, not to discredit some of those other teams that he was on, like the Heat and such, but that last Cleveland team was absolutely horrible. I mean, that was just a tough watch, you know. Uh, He was basically doing all the work. Even in that first game against the Warriors a couple years ago, when he scored 53 or 52 points and had 10 rebounds and 10 assists or something, and they still lost that game by seven. I mean, the guy is is 36 years old, and I feel like when he get, makes it to that point in this playoffs next year, he's going to be able to show us that he does that same thing. I mean, LeBron James doesn't get injured very often, so seeing him go down with an injury was really tough to watch. But honestly, knowing him, he's going to come back in full force, and he's going to be he's going to be ready to tackle that playoffs and make another fantastic push to the to the finals. Yeah, I definitely think the Lakers. I think you know, for for me right now, it's between the Lakers and the Nets. I think if the Lakers can get AD and LeBron back to playing like how they were in the beginning of the season before their injuries. I think they will have a very strong chance. I personally, I think the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, I've repeated this throughout, you know, all of our podcasts, you know, they just, they, you think they're going to be done when they add James Harden, but no, then they get LaMarcus Aldridge. And then they also get, you know, Blake Griffin, you know, two veterans that are, you know, bigs. And if they were lacking one thing, it was, you know, centers and power forwards. I mean, yes, you know, KD could play power forward, but he's really not the defending type player. He's more of the scorer. So I think, you know, the additions of Aldridge and Griffin, that's going to be huge for them. And yes, they are towards the end of their career, but I think, you know, it's just going to add to their depth. Uh, Going over to West, do you like this Nets team or are you like going towards the Lakers at this point? I have to go with the Nets, man. Um, I just feel like the Lakers are a great team for sure with LeBron and AD, but just solely off, excuse just solely off the the Nets having so many scores I don't feel like the Lakers can match up with as many scores as they have yeah I think that's a fair point I know do you think you could counter that point of why the Lakers still might have a shot yeah you know obviously the the Nets are going to have an absolutely powerful deep offense I mean they've got guys like James Harden Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant especially I think is going to be probably the biggest issue for that Lakers team 
But I feel like if Anthony Davis is able to come back healthy and LeBron is able to come back healthy, uh, along with the additions of Montrez and guys like Andre Drummond, I mean, that team's going to be huge. And they're going to be pretty powerful on that defensive side, uh, especially if they start getting a little more. I'd say if they started pressing a little more, like if they maybe weren't laying off as much and they used their size to kind of dominate even the three-point line and maybe give them a little bit of troubles there. I mean, of course, Kevin Durant is still going to shoot over you. The guy's seven feet and he can he shoots you know, ridiculous percentage from three. So he's always going to be splashing over you. But I feel like guys like James Harden and Kyrie Irving can definitely kind of get slumped by that. If they maybe bring a couple of bigger guys to put on them on the defensive end, I think they're going to be able to maybe get in their head a little bit, maybe get in front of them, uh, stop them from shooting as well as they usually do. Because these guys are just absolutely, I mean, all three of these big three on the Nets are certified ballers. These guys are just known for their shooting potential, their dribbling, I mean, everything. So, but I think if the Lakers are able to come back fully healthy, uh, they're going to be just a tad bit more dominant on that defensive end than the Nets are going to be on that offensive end. So that's what I'd say about that. Yeah, and I think that is fair, a very fair point. And going into our next topic, you know, they just recently added Andre Drummond, who, you know, he is a great rebounder, and he's, you know, I thought he was an older dude. I thought he was, you know, early 30s. Looked it up. He's 27. I mean, he's still he's still probably within his prime, so, you know, that's a really, you know, notable thing. Uh, going over to Wes, who, what additions do you like more? Do you like the Nets additions of Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, or do you like the Lakers additions of Andre Drummond? I feel like it's a great pickup for them just because losing um, AD to injury right now. I mean, of course, he's going to be back. But I feel like he's going to be he's going to be solid. Um, if I don't think by himself he can be solid. I mean, we saw in his debut that he's not like just a solely by himself guy. But with LeBron being LeBron and making his teammates better, I feel like he'll be a nice fit for the Lakers, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I think your point about him coming playoff time, that's when they're going to need him. You know, if they get AD back, he, Andre Drummond might be the backup center. Depends, you know, if they play AD at the power forward or center. But he's a very good backup center. I mean, you know, he's been to a couple all-star games, I think, too. So if you add that to a young, a young Andre Drummond to that secondary, that's going to be, you know, a really good thing. Uh, going over to you, Noah, what team, what additions do you like the most? Do you like, you know, the Lakers additions or the Nets additions? Yeah, you know, I think bringing in a guy like Andre Drummond for the Lakers, uh, I think is going to be a big change because, I mean, Montrose Harrell definitely does prove to be a decent center sometimes. Uh, but I think moving him to maybe a, a, a different position where he doesn't have to worry about rebounding as much and can maybe focus more on his scoring end uh, is going to be really important. I mean, obviously, Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders we've seen since probably guys like Dennis Rodman and other old guys that were just absolutely fantastic on that defensive end or rebounding end. But yeah, the guy averages 14 rebounds over his entire career. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. The guy has just, I mean, rebounding is in his blood, you know, he's, he's going to be doing that for the rest of his career. And like you said, Connor, at 27 years old, he's definitely either in his prime right now or could be moving into his prime within the next couple of years. I mean, I'd say probably around 27 to 32 is when you see guys just perform absolutely out of their minds when it comes to their careers overall so I'm really excited to see how Andre Drummond kind of evolves in this team and I think these he's going to give them a lot of flexibility they're going to be able to put him at center he's going to be able to do a majority of the rebounding which is going to let most of the other guys on the Lakers kind of space out a bit and let them work on their offensive side and and that is that's going to help the defense as well because they're going to be able to put bigger guys on guys that maybe shoot from the perimeter sometimes so I think the addition of Andre Drummond was just fantastic for the Lakers. 
Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I like the Lakers additions way more because Andre Drummond, they need the Lakers needed that one extra piece just to get them to that championship potential. And when you add a big so that LeBron and AD can focus more on their offense and not waste as much energy on the defense, I think that's huge. I mean, I think the Lakers are just going to ask Andre Drummond to, hey, focus most of your game on the defense and we'll take care of the rest on the offense. So I think that that's how that's going to go. And, you know, with the addition of Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, they're both towards the end of their careers. I mean, everybody made memes of, you know, Blake Griffin dunking for the first time in two years. So, you know, I don't see a lot coming from them, much production. And, you know, certainly not in the playoffs when they are getting defended more tightly. Uh, going over to West, do you think they're going to make that much of a difference for the Nets in the playoffs? Or do you think they're just kind of, you know, little pieces? Me being a KD slash Nets fan, I'm going to try not to be biased right here. But, um... I don't, I don't, I don't think they could. If like, if this was like, if they needed to do it, a type deal, like if they needed their production, I don't think that would be very helpful. But when you have KD, Kyrie, and um, James Harden, they don't need that much production. They're really here to help on the inside defense and rebounding. I mean, any points you give these guys that's not coming from those three is anything that can help. Of course, you have the highest shooting three-point percentage this year in Joe Harris. So with him just being him and the other three guys, LaMarcus and uh, Blake Griffin, they can really just be getting at least six to ten rebounds each and um, just scoring like, what, eight to 12 points. And I would count that as production for this team. They don't need to go out there. Blake don't need to go out there and be the Clippers Blake Griffin where he can dunk and he can do this. He doesn't need the – he don't need to be the Pistons Blake Griffin where he can go – shoot the three and LaMarcus don't have to do any of those things either but if they can or if they will that would be very productive but they don't have to yeah and that's a great point I mean I think the you know the Nets are just going to ask what they can get from them I think you know they're not going to play them a lot of minutes so maybe they won't have that insane stat line like they did in their primes but I think you know they are going to add valuable over unders in those minutes that they do play because all their energy is going to be stay focused into that 15 to 20 minute a game range as opposed to KD or Kyrie who's probably playing 32 minutes a game. So continuing with like, you know, the talks of production, we got a very productive team coming out of the West and, you know, it's our Valley team. So, you know, we, you know, we had to talk about them. So talking about the Suns, Noah, what do you think of this Phoenix Suns team? Oh man, I am absolutely just ecstatic for them. I mean, these guys are just showing that they're such a cohesive team. I mean, Devin Booker, obviously for the majority of these past couple of years, has been that main scorer. And I mean, he still is in that position, but he's able to relax a bit. You know, he's only getting about 26, 27 points a game. And I mean, he gets 35, 40 when he needs to, but he's just got so many guys around him that can score just around the same. I mean, they've got guys like Chris Paul, who's averaging 16. You've got eight out here averaging 15 points and 10 rebounds, which is just about what you want from him at this point. And I mean, absolutely fantastic stuff from the center. And I mean, with a guy like Chris Paul to DeAndre Aiden, it's kind of like a passing of the torch. You've got the guy who's been passing to bigs his entire career, passing to this new big who could show to be one of the best ever. I mean, this guy, I mean, we're not, we've not seen anything yet, but he definitely could evolve to be possibly a top 10 center ever in the leagues. Cause I mean, he has been struggling with a couple of issues recently or not recently, but last season and the few seasons before kind of off the court. So seeing him stay safe and kind of stay in the game, keeping his head where it needs to be uh, is super important. And I mean, you got, you got guys like Crowder and Saric 
who are just there. They're like big guys. They're, they're good on the defensive end. I mean, Crowder's been pretty fantastic from three as well. I mean, he, no matter where he's gone, he's definitely been traded around a bit, but he goes there and he, he does decent from the three point line. I mean, in these last 10 games, he's been shooting about 43% from three. And I think it's 38 overall in the season. And so, I mean, you really couldn't ask any more of him. And they've got really young guys like, like Cameron Payne. I mean, Cameron Johnson, you've got guys like Abdel Nader who come in and score six or seven points every now and then and kind of explain sometimes but not often but yeah this Suns team is just so incredibly balanced even on the defensive end I feel like they've just kind of all got it put together right and especially bringing in Torrey Craig uh, I think that was pretty decent for the Suns he was a great addition to the Nuggets so seeing him come over is obviously fantastic and yeah I just think the Suns team really has a, a decent shot to make it I mean it's tough saying that when you've got teams like the Nets and the Lakers who when fully healthy are just going to be absolute powerhouses but I would really like the Suns to maybe see if they can make a push to the finals. It's just going to be super tough to get past those teams that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and I definitely think they could make an appearance, maybe not the finals, but maybe the Western Conference finals. Maybe they see the Lakers there, and that would be, you know, an interesting matchup, you know, considering you have, you know, more probably more talent on the Lakers, but you have, like, better chemistry, in my opinion, on the Suns. I mean, this Suns team, ever since Chris Paul got there, I mean, their offense and defense got better. Even if he, Chris Paul doesn't have quite the point production tonight, you can still tell he's orchestrating both the offense and defense. I think, you know, that's a really cool thing to see. Uh, going over to Wes, what do you think is the thing that improved the Suns team the most? Is it the addition of Chris Paul or, you know, the, the coaching of Monty Williams? I'm going Chris Paul for sure. Chris Paul with his IQ and his playmaking just just being there makes them better. He's going to be the reason why, like Noah said, DeAndre Aiden gained up a top 10 big man in the league. Just Chris Paul teaching him everything he knows. And um, being who he is, I think he can help. I think he, he not help, but he's doing what he's, he's doing what he's always did at different teams. I mean, you saw him turn that OKC team into a playoff team without Russell Rushbrook being there. Of course, there wasn't a finals team, but you do think he goes over there. They don't do much, but they gave the Rockets and James Harden a run for their money. But now he's with a score and Devin Booker. I just think the only thing that would that would slow them down is their bench. They don't have that many role players to go along with Devin Booker. And um, I feel like that'll be the only thing that could hinder them in the playoffs. Yeah, so, you know, going back to you really quick, so do you think they're contenders or do you think they're just going to fall slightly short of that spot? With Chris Paul just being there, I think they are contenders. I think I think Chris Paul can help them be contenders for sure. And um, only team I see them falling to would be the Clippers in seven or six games and the Lakers in maybe five to six. Yeah, and I could definitely see that. You know, Chris Paul is a smaller guy, and Devin Booker, not the most physical. So, yeah, I'm also curious to see if you go up more physical teams like the Lakers and the Clippers. You know, they have, you know, the Clippers, especially great defensive guys, Kawhi and Paul George, despite being called Pandemic P. You know, they're great defenders. Like going over to, you know, do you think the Suns' lack of size is going to limit them, or do you think they can get past these bigger teams like the Clippers and the Lakers? Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough, and I think it's going to end up coming down to whether those teams kind of adapt to how the Suns play. I mean, it's going to come – it's really going to just – 
if they end up kind of putting that putting that big man, I mean, they, they've pretty much only got DeAndre Ayton, who's probably their largest guy, and he's always going to be in that middle area. So I think if they kind of work around that and teams kind of evolve to maybe play more in the paint and maybe if they've got two or three big guys that can go against Ayton, they might start abusing that. Maybe they can get some play between those guys going and start pounding in the paint because I think the Suns definitely do lack a bit of size, like you guys are saying. They definitely need a little help on that interior. But, I mean, their outside is absolutely fantastic. They've got a bunch of great guards who are great at defenses. I mean, Michael Bridges is fantastic on the defensive end. Uh, Chris Paul is obviously always going to be a little bit of an annoyance on that defense. Just of how, just because of how he plays, he's always going to try to get in your head. Just one of those guys that's kind of plays basketball classic, solid guy. But, yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see how they evolve because, I mean, they're going to have a lot of, lot of power on that offensive side because you've got Chris Paul outletting the ball and he's going to be able to either throw it to maybe Devin Booker or one of the other shooters out on the perimeter or even DeAndre Ayton in the middle and I think they're just going to be a really strong double threat and yeah I think that's that's the only problem that they might end up running into is their size in the middle yeah and I think that's going to be you know interesting to see when they do play a team like the Lakers I mean you got AD 6'11 LeBron 6'9 Andre Drummond 6'10 you know if they do like run that big three lineup I don't know how the Suns are necessarily going to you know defend it so that's going to be interesting to see uh, going over to you really quick, Wes, what's the future for the Suns team? Do you think, you know, after this year, you know, they're going to kind of fall off or do you think they're just going to continue to add? If they can find somebody that not solely replace um, Chris Paul, but he's not going to play forever. I think he's in his mid-30s where he's not going to be here forever. But, you know, you see what your team can do with a player like him. So if you can go get somebody that can either score or that can facilitate like him. I'll go for a guy like Lonzo Ball, for sure. You know, he's not the best scorer, but he's a great facilitator. If you get um, if you can get Lonzo Ball and a whole lot of role players, I feel like you can uh, you can make a run. You can keep making runs. Yeah, and I think your Lonzo Ball pick is actually really interesting because there were rumors, you know, a year or two ago that he was going to come to the Suns before we got Chris Paul, so we could get that facilitator. So you know that would be you know great after Chris Paul leaves. Uh, going over to you really quickly, Noah, how long, how much longer do you think Chris Paul has before he retires, you know? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he does retire on the Suns. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not what's going to end up happening. I think uh, depending on how the Suns do this next playoff run, because uh, I mean, I'm pr it's pretty locked that they're going to be making to the, making it to the playoffs. So seeing how they're going to do this playoffs, I think is going to be the big tell uh, as to whether he kind of stays with the Suns team for a couple extra years and then maybe goes to one more team and then retire, maybe back to an old team, maybe even the Clippers, uh, just to retire there. That would be super cool. But, yeah, I think Chris Paul definitely uh, is, is the big facilitator for that team now, and I really liked Wes bringing up Lonzo Ball because he would be a fantastic replacement for him. I mean, he's a super young guy. He's shown that he's really good on that defensive end. The guy can pass the ball pretty well, pretty good on the, on the rebounds. Just needs to work on that offense a little bit, just shooting overall. But I think he'd be a great plug-in for Chris Paul. And yeah, I think the Suns team is definitely going to keep building over these next couple of years. I think they're definitely not in a rebuild and they're honestly probably just about as close as they can get to a championship contending team. Uh, they've got just an absolutely balanced squad. Uh, I think they've got the offensive firepower to do it. Uh, I think the defense is where we might see a little bit of lag uh, as to whether they can keep up with other teams. Like you said, Connor, the Lakers are going to be a huge issue for them, especially if they just pound the paint and they just get through there because that's going to be really tough to watch DeAndre and take on three or four big guys at the same time. 
But yeah, I think the Suns team has just got some great potential already, and they're they're showing that they can make a decent run in the playoffs this year. So just super excited to see where they go this year's playoffs and in the next couple of years to come. Yeah, and I'm going to be interested about their future too because, you know, you got the Nuggets, also a very, very young team. So they might be competing against each other in the West for years to come. So I think it's really just going to be a question of whether the Suns can get that, you know, Lonzo Ball, that facilitator-type player, you know, so that's going to be a key thing. All right, so this has been our part two of the Double Double Weekly Edition. I'm your host, Connor Schertzma, and I'm signing off.